welcome back to another College Hoops Mania podcast. I'm your host, Wes Troyer, and I'm back today with another college basketball podcast for you guys. I'm recording this Sunday night after a, a long weekend of college basketball. There's also NFL playoff games, so it was a very busy weekend in the sports world. But there was a lot of interesting results and upsets and just interesting games to talk about. So let's dive right into this today. The biggest game and maybe the the biggest shot hit this weekend was Andrew Jones hitting a three um, with 1.8 seconds left to beat West Virginia 72-70 to in a game where Texas was trailing for a lot of the game and they're kind of fighting from behind. West Virginia was playing well. They were knocking down shots. And with 1.8 seconds left, Andrew Jones hit a hit a shot in the corner from a pass from Courtney Ramey. Courtney Ramey kind of drove it in the lane, kicked it out to the corner. Andrew Jones hit it. And that's the story of that game. Texas ends up winning 72-70 to in a really good game in Morgantown. I mean, if, if you guys don't know already, Andrew Jones two years ago wasn't able to play basketball because he had leukemia. He was diagnosed with leukemia, wasn't able to play basketball. He was an NBA prospect at that time, was looked at as maybe a first-round pick. And so he was not able to play basketball, and he was diagnosed with leukemia. It was a very sad story. He overcame that, got over uh, cancer there. He fought it off, and he played basketball last year, and now he's playing again this year. That's awesome to see. And then Andrew Jones to hit such a big shot is even better to see. But let's talk about Texas. Texas is now 10-1. and one. They have wins over Indiana, North Carolina, the Maui. They won the Maui. They beat Oklahoma State. They beat Kansas in the fog by 25. Just a beat down, amazing performance. And now they beat West Virginia, another road game. Texas is looking like it might be the third best team in the country, if we're being honest. But, I mean, their loss came to Villanova. It was a close loss by four. So, I mean, you could say 3A Nova, 3B Texas. I mean, it's it's almost a tie. In part, I mean, we don't know. Nova hasn't played in a while, so it's hard to really say about them. But Texas is looking really good right now and one of the more complete teams in the country. And Saturday, which was really interesting, Texas uh, has a really good backcourt and they make a lot of shots from the perimeter. What was really encouraging to see is Texas won a game where only one guy made a three, and that was Andrew Jones. Andrew Jones made four threes in this contest, but he was the only Texas player to even make a three. Texas didn't shoot it very well from the outside, and they still found a way to beat a really good West Virginia team, which is really encouraging to see. Talking about Texas, though, you you have to love how uh, the versatility of Texas and what they bring to the table. They play a switching defense because one through five, Jericho Sims depends when he's playing or not. Sims can uh, go out onto guards and stay in front of them in his length. I mean, even if he gets beat, his length can catch him up and get a come from behind the lock. But they play a switching defense because they're just so versatile. I mean, their fours are Kai Jones, Greg Brown. Those guys are, I mean, they can be wings. Those are NBA prospects. Greg Brown, obviously, a five-star freshman, highly touted NBA prospect. Kai Jones is becoming that. He's not a freshman, but he's coming. He's becoming to be a, a guy that NBA uh, scouts have to really look at. And to be honest, in my opinion, he's one of the most underrated players in the country. I love, I mean, he can score off the dribble. He scores with his back to the basket. He makes threes. He can get to the rim off the dribble. He's really, really good defensively and helps Texas out there a lot. He can guard bigger guys and guard on the low block. His length gets in blocks. He can, in, in like ball screens and just screen actions in general, I mean, he can always switch. Like I said, Texas plays a switching defense, which makes him really tough to play against. And so I just love that about Texas, and I love that about Kai Jones. 
Another guy that uh, on the Texas team that no one really talks about, I mean, people talk about the main guys, you know, Matt Coleman, Andrew Jones, Courtney Ramey, Greg Brown, Brock Cunningham off the bench. He's He plays great minutes for them. He had really timely offensive rebounds in that game. He, I mean, he he fits his role. He plays to his role. I love that about him. He doesn't take shots he doesn't need to take. I mean, he'll take an open shot. But if not, I mean, he's just he's keeping the offense flowing. He's moving the ball around. And he's just really scrappy. He gets steals. He gets rebounds. He crashes the glass. He plays hard on defense. He's really valuable to Texas. And a guy that should be talked about more when talking about the success of Texas. I mean, obviously, we talk about the main guys, like I said before, and those guards, the backcourt in particular, just do a great job of getting dribble penetration, getting downhill, getting in the paint. If nothing's there, jump stop, kick out to an open shooter. They do a great job at that. And, I mean, they did that against Kansas. That's what really killed Kansas. Kansas could not contain the dribble drive, and they weren't able to close out on shooters. Saturday, West Virginia limited Texas to only four threes, like I said, only from one player even. And so, as I said before, just really encouraging that Texas was able to win a game where they didn't shoot it really well. And nonetheless, against a top 15 team in the country in West Virginia. Um, in that game, Sims was in foul trouble all day. He ended up fouling out in the game. So, I mean, we saw a, we saw a lot of Kai Jones, Greg Brown lineups together with Sims off the floor. Those are really versatile offense. I mean, Texas can kind of go five out with those guys. You can kind of do what you want because those guys are so versatile and they can play a lot of different roles. Looking at West Virginia now, West Virginia is now 1-2 since Oscar Sheboy's departure, who, by the way, about one hour ago, I'm recording this at 9 p.m. Saturday, might have been two hours ago, he uh, committed to Kentucky. He, uh, Like I said, his departure because he was transferring. He stepped away from the program, later announced that he's transferring. Just committed to Kentucky. So big get for Kentucky. But now, like I said, West Virginia is 1-2 since his departure. All close games. And their, their one win uh, came earlier this week against Oklahoma State in an epic comeback where they were down 18 points in the second half. Looking at West Virginia now, uh, post-Oscar Shibwe, they look a lot better offensively. And, I mean, large part with that is instead of playing their three-out, two-in offense with Derek Culver and Shibwe down there kind of playing high-low, they now play four-out, one-in. They start Jalen Bridges now, who's a forward who shoots the three really well. And they look a lot better offensively, like I said. A lot more open looks for Tash Sherman, for uh, Sean McNeil, for Deuce McBride. And because of that, like because of not having Chibwe in the middle and two true centers in the middle, it allows for a lot more openings for West Virginia on the perimeter. It also allows for a lot more room to operate for Derek Culver down low because he doesn't have to worry about Chibwe. Defense is playing more pack line, packing it in because West Virginia plays those two bigs. Not anymore. They are adjusting defensively. They don't necessarily get to play the same way. They don't necessarily get uh, the same rebounding ability and dominating teams on that aspect anymore. But with that being said, I mean, West Virginia is still looking like a really good team, really good offensively, like I said. Defense will get better. I mean, with with not having Shibway, they get to play a little bit more press Virginia, so they get to kind of go back to that a little bit more because they have more uh, they have more guards on the floor, more versatile players. Um, so they can do that, get up in you a little bit more. But West Virginia, I mean, they're still going to have to adjust. I mean, that's a big change, losing a starter and one of their key contributors in Oscar Shibway. But West Virginia is getting better. Nonetheless, Texas was the story in this game, and Andrew Jones was the story in this game. Next up, another Saturday result that we saw. 
uh, Kentucky dominating Florida in 76-58 in Gainesville. It was an amazing performance. Kentucky's now won three straight games, all, by the way, without Terrence Clark. Um, as many of you know, Dante Clark has emerged as that outside threat. Kentucky all year long has really struggled from the outside shooting the ball. Dante Clark uh, has really been good from out there. But looking at Kentucky, I mean, this is a brand new team. Askew, Devin Askew is running the point guard so much better. Early in the year, it was just turnovers, very little assists. He wasn't uh, getting much dribble penetration, making the defense work. Now he's just like, he's getting dribble penetration. He's getting in the lane, kicking out to, to shooters. Kentucky's actually making some outside shots. Not taking a whole lot of threes. They're being smart about it. That's what I like about Kentucky. They know they're not great from out there, but they'll take they'll take their shots when it's open. And he's just in a lot better job at taking care of the ball. The last three games, 13 assists and five turnovers. Huge story for Kentucky. They finally have a point guard who's doing a good job there. They tried Terrence Clark at the point. That lasted one game where he had, uh, I believe, he had zero assists and three turnovers. That was against North Carolina. Cal Perry said we're going to try playing Terrence Clark there. Nope, didn't work. Back to Devin Askew. Much improved from him. Not to mention, he's a pest on defense. He picks up point guards all over the floor. He gets up in you. He's handsy with the ball. And he makes you uncomfortable. So I really love what he's doing. Looking at the Kentucky offense, overall, it's just doing a much better job. Like I said, it was shot selection. Much better shot selection. They're taking care of the ball around as a team. Look, They just look like a whole new offense. They pass the ball so much better. And you can kind of see it. Like During their losing streak, the guys were just really down on themselves. They didn't, like, they don't have that, like, edge to them. But it's just completely different now. You can see the edge in the Kentucky players. You can just see it in their eyes. They look so much more confident. And it was, it was Keon Brooks' first game back. And he had 12 points, six rebounds, four assists, one steal, one block. He really filled it up. I love that he they used him on the perimeter and he handled the ball some, but he was also screening for them. He played with his back to the basket a little bit. And he was just like a voice out there. You can see they felt a lot more comfortable. Ken Brooks is their leader. If you remember the game um, where nobody uh, would do the post-game press conference and Keon Brooks said, I'll do it because none of the players would be able or were willing to do it. Everyone was upset. So Keon Brooks took the job and did that. So he he's really the leader of this Kentucky team. And the Kentucky players look a lot more comfortable with him on the floor. So that's really encouraging to see that he's back. Defensively for Kentucky, they're just playing on a string. They're helping each other out. They're finally helping each other out. Like against Florida, one guy would get beat a little bit, help over. And if they get in a scramble, everyone would rotate around and fight hard to close out on shooters and make sure that they're not giving up an easy bucket to Florida. Looking at Kentucky... They are now 4-6 and six and 3-0 in the SEC with, like I said, their three straight wins. They have a huge contest with Alabama coming up on Tuesday in Rupp. That'll be a huge um, telling for what Kentucky looks like. If they pick up a win there and uh, are 4-0 in the SEC, I don't think anyone's going to disagree that Kentucky is going to make the tournament. But we'll be patient and hold off on that. Hopefully Terrence Clark can play in that game because he hopefully can get them to another level again. Keon Brooks gave him that boost. Maybe getting Terrence Clark back will give another boost to Kentucky. The question that everyone asks now, now that Kentucky's won three in a row, and, I mean, you don't want to get too ahead of yourselves, but the question is, will Kentucky make the NCAA tournament? And it's still hard to say, but right now, watching their game on Saturday, I will say that Kentucky will be in the NCAA tournament held in Indianapolis this year. I just, like I said, for all the reasons above, they look like a whole new team. 
with a whole new confidence. And they just kind of are playing with that edge right now. So, yes, I'm going to say Kentucky will make the NCAA tournament. More SEC action on Saturday getting past Kentucky. Alabama beats Auburn 94-90 in a shootout, a game that had 88 possessions. Crazy fast game. The main storyline and what most people are talking about in this game was Sharif Cooper, the five-star point guard that Auburn has, hadn't played all year due to the NCAA not allowing it for um, violating NCAA rules, and they finally cleared him to play. So it was the Sharif Cooper debut, and he did not disappoint for Auburn. He had 26 points, 9 assists, 4 rebounds, 3 steals in Auburn's 4-point loss to Alabama. So first, let's dive into the Sharif factor of this game. We'll get to Alabama and what they look like after talking about Sharif a little bit here. If you watch this game, Auburn um, just looked a lot, lot better with Sharif Cooper. Watching him, he's an elite playmaker. It's hard to say that there's any player in college basketball as good as, that is as good of a playmaker as Sharif Cooper is. I mean, he was truly brilliant. And part of it is that he just uh, draws so much defensive attention because the defense is always having eyes on him. Everyone is kind of rotating around, keeping an eye on Sharif, making sure that they're keeping him under control, which allows other shooters to get a little bit more open. But the truth is, I mean, they put Sharif in ball screens. He'd make some unbelievable passes, skips across the floor to the corner to shooters. And he was, uh, I mean, he was driving a lane. He was getting dribble penetration, going from there, scoring from there, kicking it out. He was brilliant. And, and if you think about Auburn, they weren't playing with Justin Powell in that game. And he's been dealing with a little bit of a head injury here. When they get him back, Auburn, I mean, what what do they look like? I definitely think they'll be a top half of the SEC team with Justin Powell back. I mean, he's one of the best shooters in the country, 44% from three. I'm just thinking about all the open looks that he's going to get due to Shreve Cooper creating stuff off the dribble for him where he can just stay in the three-point line to catch and shoot. So in my opinion, Auburn is probably a top half of the SEC team with Sharif Cooper, especially when Justin Powell comes back. I'm talking about Alabama, though, now, because, I mean, you got to give credit to Alabama in this game, too. They're the first team that had to play Sharif Cooper. I mean, they didn't really have any game plan for Sharif Cooper. They know he was a dynamic, explosive guard that can get to the rim and make plays for other, but others, but they haven't really seen him play in a college game yet. So you got to give credit to Alabama for winning this game due to that, because it had to be really difficult to know what to expect for the players and the coaching staff. Alabama is now 9-3. and They've beaten Tennessee. At Tennessee, by the way, they've beaten Florida and Auburn now, an Auburn team with Sharif. That's three straight wins for them. Uh, if I had to rank all the SEC teams, I would currently put Florida second in my SEC rankings, even though they beat Tennessee. I still think Tennessee is a better team than them. And you have to love that Alabama's been uh, doing this the, the past two games, at least, against Florida and Auburn without Javon Quinterly. Javon Quinterly was a key part of the success in the Tennessee win as he carved up their defense and was lethal off the dribble. And he's been playing great basketball this year for Alabama. Looking at Alabama, though, what I love about them so much is if you look at their perimeter, they're very long and they're super athletic. Josh Primo is 6'6", long athletic guard. Josh Petty's 6'5", long and athletic. Just And Herb Jones, I mean, Herb Jones is a lockdown defender. He's 6'8". The, I mean, the wingspans and the length of the Alabama, the wings and their guards are phenomenal. It makes them really difficult to play against because chances are your backcourt and your guards are not going to be able to match up with what Alabama has. And on Saturday, Jordan Bruner, awesome minutes for Alabama. 
he uh, was doing it all over the floor. He had three threes. He scored inside a mul- uh, multiple times. He had five offensive rebounds, four assists, and he had some timely offensive rebounds and putbacks for Alabama, and he just had timely buckets for Alabama in general. He had a big three at a big moment. And looking at Alabama, this is a really, really good team. This is definitely a top 25 team. They are ranked. They'll definitely be ranked tomorrow. I'm doing this podcast Sunday night in the AP poll Monday. Alabama will definitely be in it and probably top 20 even. Not exactly sure, but they should definitely be. They're a top 20 team in America. This team has so much potential. Like I said, with with the length that they have and the ability to score, they don't really have a true center. Jordan Bruner can stretch the floor for them. They play four guys off the bench. I mean, they have pretty good production from the bench. I like what Keon Ellis brings. When Quinterly gets back, he's been coming off the bench. He's awesome to bring off the bench. Alabama it looks really dangerous. Offensively, defensively, they get up in you. I like what they bring. And this team is a team that can compete for an SEC title. Like I said, I think Tennessee is the best team in this conference, but they do have the head-to-head win over Al- or over Tennessee right now. They can They can win the SEC. They're good enough to do that. And they have a big game coming up this uh, upcoming week on Tuesday, like I said earlier, against Kentucky at Rupp, much improved Kentucky team. So that that's a really big SEC matchup. Both, team on, both teams undefeated in SEC conference play. So all eyes on that matchup at 9 o'clock, ESPN Tuesday night. Moving on from Alabama talk, we're going to move into Purdue beating Michigan State on Friday night. Uh, 55-54 in East Lansing. I talked about Andrew Jones hitting a game winner. Earlier, we had another game winner here where Travion Williams had the go-ahead bucket with 4.5 seconds left to complete the second-half comeback. Travion Williams was unstoppable in the second half. He had 26 points in the game. 22 of them came in the second half. Michigan State had no answer for him at all. Purdue started going to him every down, every time down the floor. It did not matter. Michigan State knew it was coming. I mean, they'd throw doubles at him a little bit. Like, I mean, they had Hauser on him some. They had Kithier on him some. They tried to throw Malik Hall as a double on him. Did not matter. They had no answer for him. Travion could score when he wanted. They If they uh, doubled him up, I mean, he just kind of he just kind of crab dribble away, glide dribble away, get out of there, and then just kind of go right back to work when the double would leave. And looking at Michigan State, they kind of have a big flaw in the fact that they don't have a five. They don't have a five who is physical enough and, and uh, that to deal with fives who are like Travion Williams, who are extremely, extremely physical and skilled and can score on you with their size, with their athleticism, with their strength, because they just try to put different bodies on Travion Williams and it did not matter. And that's a problem going forward for Michigan State because they'll face a lot of really good fives in the Big Ten. I mean, there's Luka Garza, there's Trace Jackson, there's Kofi Coburn. I probably haven't mentioned some more. There's so many good centers in that league. Michigan State will see a lot more of that. And these teams are going to know to attack them there because they saw they know what happened in this Purdue game. Michigan State doesn't have an answer for a five like Travion Williams. Izzo lately has moved to A.J. Hogard, the freshman at the point guard. And, I mean, he hasn't done a bad job. I think the main flaw with Hogard is he's not really a threat to score. And so that's an issue. He's done a decent job of taking care of the basketball and distributing. But Michigan State just, like, doesn't have that alpha guy. Henry's became their go-to guy. And he's had some big games. He had 13 in the Purdue game. I mean, nobody really had a good offensive game in, in this one on either side other than Travion Williams. But is Aaron Henry, like, really good enough to be that guy yet in his career? I'm not really sure. Michigan State 
really struggles with consistency night to night with guys. Hauser plays sometimes, like plays sometimes well. He's he's all over the place. Rockets all over the place. Henry uh, has became more consistent, but he's still a little bit not every night. Like uh, Gabe Brown was playing well for a stretch. He struggled recently more. Malik Hall, you don't know what you're getting. And that's just kind of how it is with this Michigan State team. Izzo has started playing like a really deep bench, really deep bench, playing six or seven guys off the bench lately, just trying, just trying to get things going, trying to trying to find combinations of guys that works. And there's just not really a consistency on the offensive end yet. They've started playing better defensively. That was their struggle for a while. They've stepped it up on that end, played a really good uh, defensive game against Rutgers. Played well on the defensive end in this one, other than the fact that they couldn't stop Travion Williams in the second half. The first half, they played beautifully. Purdue had under 20 points in that game at halftime. Um, another big problem was Purdue had 16 offensive rebounds. You're not going to win a game when you give up 16 offensive rebounds. It's just it's really difficult to recover. You're just on the defensive end so much, you're getting worn down. If you're going to play Purdue, Purdue is extremely tough. And encouraging for Purdue is they won a game where they didn't really make shots from the outside. Like you got to look at that as a big positive that they can kind of they can kind of muddy up a game, make it ugly, and find a way to win because they're just so physical and tough. And if you're going to beat Purdue, you have to bring the physicality and be ready to work that night because chances are they will outwork you. So that was a big story Friday night, and was uh, the main story Friday night is there weren't a lot of other good games. Um, going back to Saturday slate, I want to talk a little bit about Baylor. In my opinion. It's really hard to disagree with it. Uh, Baylor is the most complete team in the country. I know a lot of people say Gonzaga is the best team, and I'm not going to disagree with that. I would also say Gonzaga is the best team in the country. But Baylor is the most complete team in the country. They beat TCU 67-49 Saturday. Baylor on Ken Palm now has the number four offense and the number three defense, and they're the only team in the country top five in both. They're only uh, There's only a, one other school, and that's Wisconsin, who is top ten in both. Baylor's only team top five in both. Jared Butler is a first-team All-American. He's a great defender. He's the leader of the team. And on Saturday, he had 28 points, 8 assists, 4 rebounds. He was brilliant in his game. So, yeah, although Gonzaga may be the uh, best offensive team in the country, Iowa also right up there with them, but Gonzaga is probably the best offensive team in the country, their defense does not compare to what Baylor brings. And because of that, Baylor's the most complete team in the country as they are really good on offense and defense. I want to talk a little bit more about Baylor, though, and I want to talk about their unsung hero, and that is Jonathan Chamwachachua. He uh, comes off the bench, but he plays more minutes uh, as their center. Flo Thamba starts. Chach or Jonathan Chamwachachua often plays more minutes than Thamba, and by quite a bit, honestly. But he is really a huge part to what Baylor does and the success of Baylor. Nobody really talks about it. He's their main voice on the floor. He is brilliant on defense. He's kind of like their linebacker talking out there defensively, calling out pick and rolls. He's great at defending them. He'll give a hard hedge. He he knows his assignments. Like if he if there's a guard coming off the ball screen and he knows they're not that great of a shooter, he doesn't miss his assignment. He's going drop coverage. But if there's a guard that is it really attacks you, I mean, he'll give him a hard hedge or just like a, a quick hedge, quick show with the hedge, and then recover back. He's really good at that stuff. And another thing I love about him is how hard he always runs rim to rim. Like if they if Baylor grabs the rebound and he's under the hoop, you just see him sprinting up the middle of the floor rim to rim and making himself available for Baylor to throw it down to if he's open. Not to mention, I mean, he's a great screener. He screens hard. 
He sets up the screen well. He rolls hard, makes himself available on the roll. I mean, although he's not an outside presence, that doesn't matter. Baylor doesn't need him out there. Baylor has six guards, six really reliable guards that can shoot from the outside. And they have plenty of perimeter play that they don't really need him to be a stretch, a stretch five, stretch four kind of guy. He plays his role and he does it brilliantly. And nobody, I mean, if you're playing Baylor, and, and you can just see this in his head, like it's his mindset. Nobody's going to play harder than me. And no one ever does play harder than him. He is always going 100% out there. You and like with with uh the no with no fans this year and being able to hear players on the floor more. I mean, you can kind of just hear and you can see how vocal he is on the floor. And I mean, even when he's not in the game, you see him on the bench, just like really hyping up his teammates, going crazy when they make a big play, clapping his hands, yelling stuff out. He's a great presence for Baylor, and he's really a joy to watch. As no one brings more energy to the floor than him. But like I said, talking about Baylor's guards, I mean, they have six great guards. They're six uh, guards deep. They have so many ball handlers. And, like, you better have a defense that can guard four guys on the floor that will take you off the dribble because they will have that on the floor. Makes them really tough to guard, and it's part to why they're the number four uh, most efficient offense in the country. And like I said earlier, I'm not saying that they're better than Zag. I really I think Gonzaga is one, Baylor's two, and they're both in a, they're in a, they're in a tier of their own. But Baylor is definitely the most complete team in the country, and it's really hard to disagree with that. The Texas-Baylor games that we're going to have this year are going to be amazing to watch. I mean, they're somewhat similar. I think Baylor is better offensively due to uh, they have more depth at the guard position. And, I mean, they're pretty comparable defensively. They're both great on that end. But those games are going to be joys to watch because Baylor's the most complete team in the, t in the country. Texas is right up there with having one of the more complete teams in the country. Those are going to be great games in the Big 12, and I, I cannot wait for those. I, I don't believe they play each other until February, though, early February, so we still have a little bit until the first Texas-Baylor game. There's just so much to cover this weekend, though, so I can't really cover everything to a full degree, so I'm going to cover some more notable results rather quickly. First up, Kansas beat Oklahoma uh, at home, 63-59. Oklahoma didn't have Brady Manick in this game. Kansas appears to just not be quite... Uh, Possession to possession, like, locked in to be an elite team yet. You sh you see flashes of Kansas being really good, but they kind of take possessions off sometimes, you know, not communicating, not switching on defense, not helping each other on defense. They'll take bad shot here or there, not uh, getting consistent dribble penetration to create for others. But Kansas edged this one out. I mean, you can say a win's a win. They did win this game. Kansas has a lot of room for improvement, but they, they, they have flashes of greatness, but they're not quite there yet. Next up, uh, Creighton beat St. John's 97-79. You might say that's not too notable. That's expected. Uh, this is more notable due to the fact that Marcus Zagorowski, Creighton star player and point guard, did not play in this game. So it's really encouraging to see in a sign of great team that Creighton uh, plays played this well without their star player and leader. Like I said, they won by 18 points in this game. Alex O'Connell hit four threes off the bench, the Duke transfer for them, so that was really encouraging to see. Creighton has just become a really, like, people knew they were a really good offensive team. They became a really good defensive team. They were uh, 78 in the country in defense efficiency last year. They're now top 30 in the nation in defense efficiency. They have uh, really improved on that end of the floor, and that is main part to why Creighton has been so successful, especially after the first few games this year. They have really improved on that end of the floor um, after the year began even. 
Next up, Ohio State beat Rutgers 79-68. Rutgers now has three losses in a row, and Ohio State swept the season series between the teams. This was a a bit of a a head-scratcher for Rutgers as they just really got outfought by Ohio State in this game. They got dominated on the boards. You don't don't normally see that in Rutgers. Like, they lose a game because they lose a game. They're not going to get out-hustled. They're not going to get out-fought in the game, but they kind of did in this Ohio State game. They got dominated on the offensive glass, and a big issue for Rutgers, as many of you know, and many people are talking about, is the free free throw issues. They continue to struggle there. Cost them the Iowa game. They lost by two in that game. They shot horrible from the free throw line there. They shot horrible against Michigan State. They shot poorly against uh, Ohio State on Saturday, so they really need to clean that up uh, because free throw shooting is kind of an underrated stat, and it can really make or break a game for you. Um, Next up, UCLA beat Arizona Saturday night. 81-76. 81-76. They now are 5-0 and in the Pac-12. Their best player, Chris Smith, towards ACL. They've been playing without him the last couple of games, and it's really encouraging to see that UCLA kind of had that next-man-up mentality. They're not going to let it affect them that their star and their leader is out for the year with, a, with an ACL injury. Devastating news for UCLA, but really encouraging that they haven't let that affect them too much and picked up a big win at Arizona on Saturday. The last notable result that I'll be discussing is a Sunday game where Iowa beat Minnesota 86-71. Honestly, the story for Iowa right now is Jordan Bohannon. He really, really struggled for a large part of this year, although Iowa has been really good all year. Bohannon struggled. But the last three games, Bohannon has been amazing. He was shooting less than 30% from three. And the last three games, he shot great from there. Today, he had 19 points. 14 assists, exclamation point next to that one, and he also had seven rebounds in this game. He's been shooting it from three great, and getting Bohan to this next level is kind of what Iowa needed. That was the lone part, uh, that was the piece of the puzzle that they were missing to this point, and Bohannon's going now, and that's huge news for Iowa. Okay, wrapping up the notable results and the weekend results as a whole, I'm going to look ahead to this next week. And pick a few games here that I have picked out on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Monday night for college football. Uh, national championship between Alabama and Ohio State. So not a lot of games that night. So I'll be picking some games Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. First up, Tuesday night, maybe the game of the week. Wisconsin at Michigan. A huge game in Ann Arbor. Michigan is 10-0 and and playing one of the best basketball in the country. Hunter Dickinson, Hunter Dickinson has been amazing. Their freshman center, seven-footer. And I'm going to pick Michigan in this game. I think Michigan just is a better basketball team right now and is playing maybe the best basketball in the Big Ten, eh, Iowa, or Michigan. It's close. Michigan's playing amazing. I don't think there's a passing team um, better in the Big Ten than them other than Iowa. Like I said, those teams are kind of hand-in-hand, but they pass the ball beautifully. I love the versatility of Wagner and Livers, that combination, as, as well as the outside shooting that they have. I mean, Brooks and Mike Smith are great from out there. Wagner shoots it well from out there. Johnny Brown has brought great minutes off the bench. Dickinson is just such a such a force down low. And he dominated a really good big in Liam Robbins earlier, uh, earlier this past week, and that was amazing to see. So, yeah, I like Michigan in this game to win a close one against Wisconsin. Next up, we got Duke at Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech beat Notre Dame today. Duke beat Wake Forest yesterday. This game is in Blacksburg, and I'll take Virginia Tech in this game. Jalen Cohn is a guy to watch for them. Uh, people studying basketball need to watch him because there is nobody in college basketball that runs harder off the ball. 
than Jalen Cohn. He is constantly sprinting and cutting around the floor in the half court, and it's beautiful to watch. He's one of the best shooters in the country. Great lift on his shot at 5'10". He really gets off, he really gets, uh, off the floor in his jump shot, and he's a joy to watch. I'll take Virginia Tech in this game. Next up, Alabama at Kentucky, as I've mentioned a couple times earlier in this podcast. Kentucky playing great basketball right now. Alabama doing the same. And this is at Rupp Arena. I love the excitement around the Kentucky program right now. They'll be very excited going into this game, and I'm going to take Kentucky to win this game. Hopefully Terrence Clark can be back for them. I just love what Kentucky's doing right now. They've tuned up a lot of the mistakes. Less turnovers, more assists, better defensively. For those reasons, I like Kentucky in this game, although I think Alabama's a really good team. Another game, this one Wednesday. All the other three were on Tuesday night. Wednesday night, Texas Tech at Texas. Texas, a great team. Texas Tech played beautifully on Saturday. They played Iowa State and dominated them. They played great offensively in that game. It's kind of what they've been missing this year, is they've been a great defensive team, but have struggled shooting the ball offensively. Despite that, I'll still take Texas in this game. Like I said, I think Texas is like the third, fourth best team in the country, 3A, 3B with Villanova. I think Texas just, I mean, they're pretty comparable defensively, and Texas is a lot better offensively. So I like Texas in this game. Last game I'll be picking is one of the biggest rivalries in college basketball, and this game's happening Thursday. Purdue at Indiana. Purdue has won seven in a row, surprisingly, in this rivalry. This game at Indiana. Indiana squeaked one out against Nebraska tonight, and I'm going to take Indiana in this game. These teams are fairly comparable. They both have really good centers, Trace Jackson Davis and Travion Williams. I think Indiana although might have a slightly uh, worse perimeter. I think Trace being the best player on the floor will be a big factor in this game. Indiana has been shooting the ball better. Armand Franklin, uh, hopefully they can get him back as he's been out here. But Anthony Leal has been playing better minutes for them. They lost a double overtime heartbreaker this past week. But I'll take Indiana in this game and to break the seven-game losing streak that they have in the rivalry against Purdue. With that being said, that'll be the last game I'm picking, and that'll be the conclusion of this College Hoops Mania podcast. It was great talking with you guys and catching up on the college basketball world. It was a great week of college hoops, and I'm sure it'll be another great week of college basketball ahead of us. We have the College Football National Championship, Ohio State-Alabama on Monday, so that'll be fun to watch, and more NFL playoffs this upcoming week. But thank you guys for listening. If you wouldn't mind subscribing on iTunes or following on Spotify, giving me a review in a rating if you wouldn't mind. Helps uh, gain the popularity of the podcast as I'm trying to grow this. But once again, thank you guys for listening. Hope you guys have a great week, and I'll see you guys later.